0: that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Listening to a Gaitha video the other day, one of the songs that they sang was the familiar one called El Shaddai. You know the song, I'm sure. I was moved again by the lyrics of this song. You'll recall some of them. Here's a small excerpt. Through the years, you've made it clear that the time of Christ was near. Though the people couldn't see what Messiah ought to be, through your word contained the plan they just could not understand. Your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. I want to say those words again. Please let them seep into your heart Penetrate your emotions this morning. Through the years, you've made it clear that the time of Christ was near. Though the people couldn't see what Messiah ought to be, though your word contained the plan, they just could not understand. Your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. Powerful words, meaningful concepts. The people couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah even though God had made it clear in his word throughout the ages. In a modern expression, it could be said that they couldn't see the forest for the trees. They were seeing what they wanted to see, and they were not seeing what they expected to see in a Messiah. They were looking something of their own invention, not that which God had prophesied for them to watch for. Then the lyrics take on a new slant.
1: Just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me.
0: The next segment of the song moves on to say. They could not understand your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. Wow, they were looking for a knight in shining armor, for a Messiah riding on a white stallion that would come and end their enslavement to Rome. A suffering Savior was just not anywhere near what they would have expected of their promised coming Messiah. But the prophets had said it would be so. It just didn't fit their needs as they imagined them to be. So the lyrics put it this way, your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son, a baby born in a stable, not a sword bearing champion on a white horse, a savior that was beaten and crucified who died on a cross of shame. This was God's Messiah. However unexpected, however unusual, the power of the universe centered in the son of God and God was in Christ when he died on that cross reconciling the world to himself your most awesome work was done god through the frailty of your son dying on a cross but having accepted the death of jesus as a sin offering for the world the greatest power in the universe validated his death and raised jesus from the dead providing for us savior and a redeemer god's frail son is now the lord of lords and every knee will bow before him in that coming day are you ready for that meeting
2: i may not be every mother's dream for a little girl and my face may not grace the mind of everyone in the world but that's all right as long as i can have one wish i pray When people look inside my life I want to hear them say She has her father's eyes Her father's eyes You know, eyes that find the good in things When good is not around And eyes that find the source of help When help just can't be found Eyes full of compassion Seeing every pain Knowing what you're going through And feeling it the same It's like my father My father's eyes. In you and me More than anything I know I want their words to be We have
0: And now with this message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee. Greetings in the name
3: of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, Christians throughout the world celebrate what has traditionally been called the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem as the beginning of the Passion Week, the final week of events that climaxed in the ignominious death and glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He begins the week in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in Bethany, followers who were not afraid to publicize their acquaintance with him. And it ends in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a follower who was afraid to do so until that time. In between, some of the most momentous, history-shaping, humanity-impacting, unfettered, unforgettable events transpired. And at the end of the week, Jesus laid in a cold, rock-hewn grove the gift of a previously secret follower. But on the eighth day, the first day of the following week, God, in his unsurpassable love and unfathomable wisdom, turned that slap by man into a kiss of love by causing this awful event to be turned into the very means of reconciling man back to himself. And he demonstrated this by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. But now, let's reflect for a few moments on the event that started this week. The event, as I have said, and you now quite well know, we usually call the triumphal entry. However, in my thinking, in actuality, it was undoubtedly the most untriumphal entry ever made by a king. But please follow with me then as I read from Luke's record of the event in Luke chapter 19, Verses 29 through 44. We begin with what I call the scrupulous preparation for his entry into Jerusalem. It underscores the fact that it was an event planned long in advance by God. Everything was predetermined by him. Jesus knew exactly what was to happen, and it appears so did others even though they couldn't fully understand it themselves. Listen then to the word of God, Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 29. And it came about that when Jesus approached Bethpage and Bethany, near the mount is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, in which as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Thus shall you speak. The Lord has need of it. End of quote. Now that was all that was needed to release what was one's most prized possession at that time to total strangers. The words, The Lord has need of it. This lowly, much ridiculed animal was needed by God himself to accomplish one of the most significant events in the life of his son, his official presentation as the Messiah King of Israel. He still uses, by the way, the lowly and despised of the world to do his greatest work, once they are willing to bow to his divine authority, something that most of those who are considered by the world to be high and mighty refuse to do. I read of one instance and personally witnessed another in which this particular incident concerning the donkeys was used in remarkably different ways. The article I read referred to a pastor who was given the eulogy at the funeral of the infant daughter of a friend who had died of an incurable disease. The elder read these verses that I just read to you. The author of the article who was present said, As the message was being read, he was asking himself, how could a text pertaining to the acquisition of a donkey possibly bring comfort to those who had just lost a child in death? Then, the author said, the pastor slowly and compassionately repeated the phrase, the Lord needs it, and said, all it took was this statement from the disciples, and the owners of the animal were willing to let them be taken. And all it required for the Christian parents to release the little child to God's care and keeping was the knowledge that in all his good purposes, God had need of their little child. End of quote. What a fantastically comforting application this was. However, I personally witnessed another application of this same text. It was read by a woman speaker during a session at a conference held in Manila, the Philippines, in 1990. It was called ECAO Evangelical Conference on World Evangelization. She was speaking on the need for evangelical churches to give more freedom for women to participate in leadership roles for world evangelization. She equated the women of the church being tied by the prejudice of men as the donkey was tied in this story. But now, she said, a great opportunity for service had opened up itself to this untried, untamed donkey. Holding her Bible in the air and shouting in a way that I could never do, she said, and I quote, it's time for the man to untie us and let us go. Jesus is calling us the leadership in the evangelization of the world. Man, I say to you, unloose us and let us go. End of quote. Now this was at least three years before T.D. Jake's book by the same name hit the church market. I leave it to you to decide the validity of this application of the text. But as far as Jesus and the disciples were concerned, it showed the sovereignty of Jesus as the Messiah, God's appointed Savior. It showed that he was divine. It showed that he was God. But secondly, notice now Luke's recording of the joyous procession, That swept Jesus into Jerusalem. Verse 35. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their garments on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their garments in the road. And as he was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees and the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. End of quote. The unbroken colt was a symbol of the peaceful nature of the king. He did not come on a white charger, the symbol of a mighty warrior, but on a young donkey, the symbol of meekness, humility, and peace. It sent a message that in keeping with their spiritual blindness, the Jewish people did not understand at the time. All they saw was the power exhibited in his miracles. And in spite of their words of praise, they saw only peace in heaven, but not on earth. In their minds, that could only come by the swift and violent overthrow of Rome. The people now, though, are caught up in a mob mentality, acting without really thinking as Jesus rides through on the donkey. Right words are said and great slogans are shouted by the crowd, but it is all done with zeal without knowledge. This same crowd, only five days later, when their expectations are not met and when they are manipulated by unscrupulous leaders, They will shout with even more enthusiasm, crucify him, crucify him. The triumphal entry was Jesus' official and formal presentation of himself as the long-awaited and expected Messiah King. But his reception was mixed. Those who lived outside of Jerusalem, but who were there to celebrate the annual Passover, greeted him warmly and hailed him as the Messiah King, joyfully shouting, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord as they threw palm leaves in his path. However, those who lived inside Jerusalem, especially religious and political leaders of the people, they perceived him as a threat to their positions of prestige and power and was therefore determined to kill him. My friends, Jesus still invokes this mixed reaction and response today when he presents himself as Savior to us. Some bow before him, because they really and truly see Him as Savior and God. Some just as sincerely reject Him, acknowledging only that He is a good man. Others bow before Him only because they believe He could help them temporarily and physically. These are the ones who end up calling, crucify Him, crucify Him, when the crowd or circumstances go against them. But thirdly, note the compassionate And just response of Jesus to the anticipated rejection of his people. First, verse 41, his compassionate response, quote, And when Jesus approached, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. Their rejection of him invokes deep sorrow on the part of Jesus Christ. And for the second time in Scripture, we are told that Jesus wept. Notice the contrast on this day more than 2,000 years ago. The crowd shouts and dances with joy. But Jesus weeps with a broken heart because he knows their heart. Most of them will join with the leaders of the nation on Good Friday and cry out, Crucify him! crucify him. Jesus weeps because of the fact that they should have been waiting with open arms to receive him. They had exactly 463 years to the day to prepare for his coming and presentation to them as their king and the the entry of him as the Messiah. You see, these prophetic dates were so accurate that conservative Bible scholars have been able to determine from biblical and historical records that Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem took place on March the 30th, 33 AD. God's word was 100% accurate. It happened just as he said it would. They should have been ready. They knew about his coming, but they were not ready, and so it broke his heart. Jesus wept over the city. I would dare say, my friends, that some of you would be quite content today to let history repeat itself more than 2,000 years after the original event by your refusal to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior as well as he presents himself to you today. You do know about him, don't you? You know that he, the Son of God, gave himself as a sacrifice for your sins, that he who knew no sin was made a sin offering for you. You know that God, to show his acceptance of a sacrifice on your behalf, that he was in fact satisfied with it, and so he raised Jesus from the dead for your justification. Everything that God required to be met for your salvation was fully met by Jesus Christ. Nothing is left for you to do except to entrust your eternal destiny to Him by relying upon His person as the Son of God and His death and resurrection as the basis for your salvation. You know that, don't you? Today, I say... Jesus is again presenting himself to you as the Lamb of God who came to bear away your sin. Will you receive him as such, or will you repeat history by rejecting him as his people did more than 2,000 years ago? My friends, I say to you, I implore you, let today be your triumphal entry into the kingdom of God. As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things.
4: The Eastern sky, though our hearts will feel unworthy, yet how happy we will be when the Savior comes from heaven, when his blessed face we
0: see. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the Sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout. Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon.
4: There forevermore to stay. Hold oh, the fort a little longer in your struggle over sin. Trust the great commander's promise. He will surely come again. i